welcome to uh, a cold aquarium atop of a, of a London rooftop for episode three of Podular Stand, the podcast for the likes of Doncaster Rovers, which has already been heralded as passable and quite good in parts. Uh, on the back of such high praise, we've retained the same cast for a third month running. So joining me are uh, editor of the London Economic, Jack P. Evening, Jack. Good evening. And also with us is occasional six music pundit, James McMahon. I haven't got six music in ages. I thought you were on last week. No, I was on five, I was on five Live. Oh, More occasional than you were. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Hence the occasional. Is what no, I was on saying. Five Live and then I was on Radio 1 the week before. The so basically every station by the one I bothered to write down. Yeah, I, don't think I've ever been on, I don't think I've ever been on Radio 4. Oh, there's a goal for you before December's yeah, podcast. Really. I'm um, learning the violin. And uh, my name is Glenn Wilson, editor of the, the now two-time almost award-winning fanzine uh, Popular Stand. Um, and we're just going to recap on, to start with, a couple of things that we talked about in episode two of the podcast, uh, a couple of things we had to chat about. We asked you to make your suggestions for, firstly, greatest ever headed Doncaster Rovers goals, something we had a debate on last time. I think, did we decide that it was ultimately futile, or did we actually pick a winner? I mean, I, I ended up getting really irritated by the whole conversation. Okay, so I won't dwell on it, this issue, then, if that's all right. Um, but some of the some of the suggestions we had from um, the Viking Sports Cooperatives Forum, Chris Black come back, um, suggested Stuart Hicks versus Scunthorpe, 1993, ringing any bells? No. No. Might find here that these are all suggestions. We didn't mention them because we can't remember them. Might, might be yeah, quite yeah, a yeah. Good... seven-year-old Jack didn't... Uh... No. He was seven in 93. Yeah. We just lost us some listeners there, yeah. haven't we? <laughs> um, IDM from the same forum suggested Hugh Dowd. Header from outside the area might strike a chord with some people listening. And uh, Donny Exile in York suggested Lee Turnbull against Huddersfield and Dave Bruno Jones at Rochdale, which said there's a diving header from all of about six inches off the ground, which fits my criteria. But the other one that, that we might remember, suggested by two different people on Twitter, Matt Swindle and, and Wes Grimes, was Dave Morley's header at Stoke in the uh, conference playoff final. I do, I mean, I, I remember that goal. Yeah. And it fits with the hater kind of uh, scenario where it's sort of the, yeah. the scope of the of the tie as much as the actual headed goal yeah. I don't want to do Dave Morley a disservice but I always felt like Dave Morley's header came off his shoulder somewhat and it, if, if he'd got a proper head on it it would have just glanced towards the corner flag over near the other end of the Dagenham fans it's just a lot of him it's <laughs> just a gainly man wasn't it yeah um, so they were, they were the suggestions we had in for, for greatest headed goals the other thing we talked about was uh, was coldest grounds or coldest you've been at football I mean we had a few suggestions of those again on the on the VSC forum um, Mike Follows suggested uh, for coldest ground Huddersfield's uh, McAlpine slash Galpalm slash John Smith slash whatever it's called this month it could have been from the days when they didn't have the fourth stand and, and, and were thus more susceptible to... Is that, has that not always been there, but sometimes been empty, or was it not there for them? No, there was, there, was a, there was a time when it first got built, and obviously, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't Google it right now, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> of it, that for at least a season, if not more, there was three stands. Well, we, we can check with Mike. I don't want to drag this out to another, another edition. We could Google it. We're not in China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... I, I think for so, so. I think we should play pub quiz roles and not Google anything. Like okay, that, right. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one Mike suggested was uh, Keys Park, Hensford Town, which I never went to. I confess, but Hensford just sounds cold. Yeah, chilly. I mean, I don't even know where it is. If I'm on this structure, <laughs> isn't it? I tell you, when I was, I was actually thinking did I say, last week. Did I say Frickley? You didn't say Frickley. No. Frickley is freezing. Is it? Even in the summer, Frickley's freezing. <laughs> Took my dad, who's like. Terrible circulation, and he still talks about it now about how cold he was and what an idiot I am for 
going to I, football matches. I presumed, I don't know what, I just presumed that the, the massive soil, slag heap soil tip next to it was in some way insulating. I don't well, know, and it wouldn't be cold. The thing is, if but you go and set fire to the hillside. To if, if you go and there's a bit of snow, you do feel a bit like you are watching a game in the MLAs. <laughs> but everyone's got like South Yorkshire accents. Very, very strange. Um, the, the other one suggested from uh, Colby's Grammar was again from Chris Black come back I got it right this time uh, I got the first one which suggested uh, Saltergate Chesterfield's old ground I remember it being very low behind the goal I remember just having a view of sort of Wayne Allison's knees there's always um, do, you, do you go down a huge park for, for Yeovil because my I've been once yeah, yeah I always thought that was quite exposed and actually was sort of on a, on a bad day that could have been a yeah. real chiller I had to, actually, I'll tell you when I went to Yeovil last time. I got a taxi to the ground. I had a Romanian taxi driver and felt compelled to ask him, you know, Yeovil of all places. I'm sure the immigration rate in Yeovil isn't particularly high. Uh, what made you move it? And he just replied, well, small town, small problems. Which is my <laughs> favourite sort of uh, yeah. responses to why anyone would live in Yeovil, I suppose. I thought you were going to say James Hayter. Yeah, well, yeah. James uh, and also, yeah, I once saw a header. In my, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion, in Romania, it is the greatest header we have ever seen. There is a back holiday. <laughs> it stands to follow him everywhere. Yeah, just oh. after Dame Molly Yeah, <laughs> busy month in Romania. Right. On to this issue and things more recent then, um, and we, we'll start by looking back at uh, the recent games. I suppose November as a whole, since it was the end of October last time we came to you. And it's been a good month. It's been a very good month for Rovers. You take take away the, the FA Cup defeat to Oldham, which I think, if you listen to the last episode, we were resigned to either going out or not particularly be bod- being bothered about it, much as it pains me to say that about the FA Cup, which I love. So you take that out of the equation. Forget the Checker Trade trophy game against Port Vale, which its irrelevancy is highlighted by the fact that we lost a penalty shootout and the team that won it went out and we went through. <laughs> but in the league, three league games, three wins. Indeed. Can't ask for more than that. Started, of course, with the, the winner at Exeter, which, I mean, you were there, Jack. Not as comfortable as it, as it looks on the, on, the, on the score sheet that yeah. way. Yeah, I think I wrote in the fanzine, not a pretty win, but then League Two's not a beauty contest. Really had to dig it out. The first half was absolutely abysmal. Um, second half was abysmal until Manville came on, who's obviously going to be a bit of a talking point right now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we, we really had to, d- to dig it out and actually to, to say that we walked away with a comfortable win in a really hard game. That was, I mean, if we would have walked away with the 1-0 then, and I said that's sort of like your title defining yeah. sort of wins. That's when you know you're a cut above because you can win when you're not playing well. Um, but a 3-1 was even better. Mm. Um, certainly didn't deserve to be 3-1. I think that, that winning when you're not playing well, I mean, Rose definitely did that in the previous month against Colchester at home the game I was at because yeah. that was a terrible game which Colchester were were the better side and had the better chances and Rovers nabbed it 1-0 yeah. but by all accounts the, the Hartlepool game that followed Dexter to a win was, was very comfortable and, and having been there Saturday for the win over Orient as well I mean that was comfortable easy. Yeah. Well, and what struck me of that um, and I, I thought it might have been the same with Dexter it might, it might not obviously from what you're saying there but what struck me with the Orient win was just the confidence, not not only in the team, but in people watching, people, I mean, standing outside the ground, standing in the fanzine before, and you get a sort of an yeah. inkling as to what, how people are feeling. And it just felt a world away from like the doom and gloom of the previous few seasons at home, or, yeah. or just even, not even the doom and gloom, but I don't want to say futility, but something like that, where you're not expecting anything. Well, and, and the difference on Saturday was even when it went, even when Orion went one nil up through a wonder goal, and Rovers did it at the bar three times. And that's, they're the sort of things that make you think, oh, 
like two, the last two seasons, you might as well go home because you weren't going to get anything out of that. But on, yeah. on Saturday, everyone just felt like it was a matter of when are we going to score rather than are we going to score. Well, keep much kind of become, um, you know, like a half empty fortress <laughs> with some weird statues. Like, <laughs> but, you know, a fortress nonetheless. Yeah. An unlikely fortress. I mean, it's it's taken 10 years for us to make it into any... Because it's, ne- it's never been a... Uh, Rovers have never been strong at home. I think in those 10 years, I don't remember any point where... Well, I, I can't remember a, a time, well, recently, where we've actually managed to have that string of games, which is all... I mean, that's really important when you have, like, the back-to-back sort of wins. And yeah. I guess just to briefly touch on the prophetic genius of, uh, of my fanzine columns, I did say at the start of the season that if we were to use League 2 in a relegation as a springboard in which we can sort of propel ourselves back with a bit of momentum, then going down might not be a bad thing. I think that's certainly what's happening now. Yeah. Is that for the first time in, in, in probably good, good three or four years, I don't think I can remember us doing it in, the, in League One, we're actually getting you know back-to-back wins, which, yeah. is, which is really important. Yeah, I think we always had that, that spell last year, just after Ferguson came in, where there was a bit of confidence sort of November, December, but it, it soon evaporated, then obviously evaporated in, yeah. in dramatic style. I'd still like to know more about what went on, you know. Well, last like, season. Yeah, like, you know, I've heard loads, I've heard, you know, interviews with Fergie where he talks about, like, the mess. Mm. You know, like, I think we're definitely of that view that the Rovers are, like, a well-run club. But, yeah. like, on the football side, it felt... He has talked about things being a bit in disarray, but there, there was definitely—I don't know—I have a suspicion that there were players, I ex-Rovers players, that I have a lot of time for that just didn't want to play for him. That's what I think it has to be. Ferguson, yeah, I, I don't doubt that, and I—but I, I would what I say is I'd be surprised at that, given how warm, say, James Coppinger has been towards him. Yeah, but you're talking—you're talking about a god amongst men. No, I know, I know, I am. But do you know what I mean? Is that? In the, not just warm to him, but in, in very high praise of, of Ferguson. And maybe that is Coppinger sort of playing the role of mm. club captain, ambassador, keeping things together, seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. Maybe it is. But, you know, he's played under a lot of different people. And obviously, you, I know you raised Shunner School. But the, the praise that he's given Ferguson this year, you, I'd be surprised at people who perhaps wouldn't want to play with him if he's so open to it. Yeah. I, my, I don't know. I always thought there was probably that thing with with Rob Jones in the sense that probably might have thought that he might be the next Rovers manager. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, I don't know. I, and I do think that when you look at Rovers this season, it's like, they're, they're playing for Fergie, like. And, then, and like I said before, playing, playing incredibly well. And I think, you just remind me something like with, with Ferguson, watching the last few games, and I think that, we, I mean, we talked in the last podcast about the three at the back, four at the back, kind of like, it feels like he's, he's found his formation now. Yeah, I think there's certainly there's an element of sort of when it comes to football, you've got to take into account that there's sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes mm. things just click, and I think that you know last season, I, I, I tend to agree actually. I think that there, there was something probably um, underneath all that was going on. But 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 bottom line is what's what's changed in two seasons is not not a great deal other than things started going our way. Mm. You know, you start figuring out. The formation that's, that that works, that the, the, the players get behind you. You know, there's a better backroom kind of like environment. Things just start to click. Um, that's sort of what I'm, I'm, I'm getting a sense of now. Yeah. I think as well, like you know, in the last two podcasts, we've sort of talked a bit about, yeah, you know, I'm sort of get getting used to that mentality. Of we're going to score one more than you, but actually thinking about it now, 
like he is actually piecing together his, his back line. Yeah. Like, you know, start of the season, Bowery won already, mm. Alcott won already, Alcott's coming now. Like, it's getting close now, do you know? Yeah. So, I don't know, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's worth judging him in a couple of months, like, yeah. when that lineup is bedded in. I think, I think from watching the games I've watched recently, I think the most key player, and I was, I was going to say under eight, but then he picked him on the match on Saturday, so that'd be, that'd be saying things. <laughs> It's probably Jordan Houghton uh, playing at like the the base of a of a diamond midfield because you, if you, whatever formation you play, Rose have got the talent the talent going forward in Copping during Row, Marquis as we've seen this season, Williams when he's fit, those four are going to cause teams trouble at this level wherever they play. Mm. I think that's fair. So they'll get you'll get more out of them in some positions than you will others, but it's you'll always get something out of them. Howen is key because. He's just the way he's holding that midfield. How long have we got him for? Well, it's, it's up soon, isn't it? I can't believe it's that day, but I think I think Rebs need to get him basically until McCulloch's fit, yeah. which might be the entire season because yeah. I think he's the only yeah. person who else plays that role. And I think talking to this to a few guys on Saturday, Rebs have got a good case for getting him long term because he's playing so regularly and playing ninety minutes each week. You'd think it'd be in everyone's interests for him. To stay. I mean, he's not going to get in the Chelsea first team anytime soon. Is no, it's just whether it's like you know, there's a club in League One, and that's the next bit of his development. Really, it'd be interesting to see, but I think not he... to give anyone ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll look at the breakdown of listener figures. Do you know what? Wait, we haven't mentioned Kenny Jacket. Go on. I just thought it was quite funny. <laughs> oh, leaving Rotherham. Yeah. Um, I tell you how, how short his time at Rotherham has been. I didn't even realise he was the Rotherham manager until he left today. Really? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh wow. I don't know who I thought was there, but I didn't realise it was Kenny Jacket. I didn't think he would be there since so a short time and then Jacket in. Hey. Is that why you wanted to yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I sort of just... Just mani- I manipulated that to <laughs> make that joke. So players that... And yeah, we mentioned this. We'll, we'll talk about Liam Mandeville then because, as you say, Jack, he turned that game at, at Exeter. And, and as a month for him... I mean, I, five goals, two assists... And I was just thinking, because I remember like the last, and I listened back to the previous podcast before today, just to check what I'd said about Mandeville, because I feel like I was critical about him in the, in the last podcast. And I think, I mean, look back, I was to a degree, you know, hold my hands up there. But I think what I said was correct, in a way. And what I said was, we hadn't had as much out of him as we might have liked to have seen out of him up to that point. Maybe critical, because he's quite young. But I think what, what I said, and I, I pulled this out, was that I said he needs game time to realise the potential he's got. Yeah. And I've not just picked that out, because that's come to pass, but just to think that you know it just highlights how you just need to give some of the younger players that bit of time in the team to fully judge them really because yeah. Mandeville's only got that time in the team because Williams is out Yeah, and we talked last time about whether Rovers need another forward perhaps to strike light I mean maybe, maybe we're not now well I think that luck is, is, is always a big part has, always has a big part to play in, in young young players development because I think that right now if Williams was still in the squad there's probably not a big call for him to actually play regular games but not only has that sort of afforded him the opportunity to, 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 to go into that spot and have, have, a, have a place but I think that his link up with Marcus as well has been been really impressive I mean that's I mean I, you say that Manfield turned it uh, um, excellent that's mm. a bit of a disservice really to yeah, Marcus so, as well yeah. because um, he was he was really influential and it was great that he's got a lot I mean he was, he was brimming with confidence as well the link up between them two was really good it looks like they've got kind of like chemistry yeah one of the better word have you seen him play yet? Just I haven't but no, I was this morning knowing we were going to talk about 
that we were going to talk about on the podcast, I was trying to work out a song for him to the tune of Mandy <laughs> uh, by Manolo, by? isn't it? By Manolo, yeah. yeah. Kind of, I can't, Did I'll, you have any luck? Well, <laughs> it's a follow-up question. I'll, 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 let's check in again at Stevenage. At Stevenage, yeah. like, like, 10 minutes in. Yeah, yeah We just yeah. tell everyone in the way and just yeah, yeah, quiet yeah, down yeah, a bit yeah. and that's, J- your, that's James, your big moment. James wants to sing a song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was impressed by him Saturday and I think what I, I said about him in the last podcast that he he hadn't clicked with Mark and you, I think you've covered that there yeah. Jack, but he hadn't clicked with Marky that much and there was just that that's what was lacking in that they were making runs but they were apart from each other and that's obviously been honed over playing with each other and presumably in, in training as well but he, the confidence in him on Saturday yeah. was, uh, was was something else they're both tremendously exciting players yeah. if you get, they get that confidence back and if they can actually um, translate that I mean like you just, just the, the last few goals that Marcus has put away, that's going to do him a world of good. It'll do us a world of good as well. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the other positive is he can score a penalty as well, which it's is nice something that's have, been lacking nice to quite have. often. I like the fact he looks a little bit like, um, he looks a little bit like he's forgot his kit and he's had to borrow someone else's kit that is a little bit bigger than he is. Yeah, long sleeves and gloves. Massive yeah. gloves on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Looked like he's borrowed two baseball mitts off someone. There's definitely a vibe of him of, oh, <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't feel that he was wearing long sleeves because the gloves had a string going <laughs> from one yeah, to the other yeah, one. Yeah. It'd fit into that, that move that scene in Kez when he where he springs off the goalpost like that. Yeah. <laughs> Turn around while you're attacking a corner yeah. he's hanging off the bat. Um when this when they score, you know, because they've got the big screen at Rollers now. Yeah. Um, it's when a goal goes in, they have the, the, the mascot doing a bicycle kick. Yeah. But then they bring up Whoever scores on the thing, and Mandeville looks about twelve. It looks <laughs> like a like a school photo. Nineteen, mate. He is, yeah. And I I I assumed he was older. I don't know how old I thought he was. It was twenty twenty one, but yeah, nineteen. And the confidence he's playing with at the moment, yeah, it's all looking uh, all looking positive. Pride, um, Pride of Lincoln. Is he from Lincoln? He's yeah, from Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. That's a good job. I didn't write in it about how we talked about Doncaster-born players, isn't it? Because I was going to be into that thing, <laughs> but I'm not going to now. There is quite a good thread actually on the on the on the forum that someone's proposing a song for him, and it's all like uh, you know he's one of our own, and someone just replies going he's from Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> quite good. On a similar note, though, the England Scotland game before Exeter was it the back oh back three or back yeah back four back, from South Yorkshire yeah I'm back from I'm from sorry I'm South Yorkshire which is Danny Rose, yeah, and the others, and who are the others? Jack Elka, is he one of them? No, yeah, uh, he, no, uh, no, Kaya. no, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of fact where you kind of need to know three of the four constituent parts to I'm, really. I'm trying to remember who Danny Rose's dad is. It, who was Danny Rose's dad? Mark Rankin. It's not his dad, but he's related to him, isn't he? No, he's no, it's his dad. Look, I don't care about this. I, <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't care if the quizmaster is going to accuse me of cheating. I'm going to, I'm going to check. Tell me all the things I'm checking. Um, Huddersfield <laughs> fourth stand, first one up. Then we need uh, the England's back four and uh, Origins, the fathers of all of them. Uh, we need we need a song for Manville, actually. Right? <laughs> yeah, oh, you can do that. <laughs> oh, I've got that. Yeah, okay. I will move on. Even and you can just. He's Mark Rankin. Oh no, no, he's uh, uh, he also is the cousin of footballer Michael Rankin, who's uncle Mark Rankin, also played professional. So second cousin does that mean? Right. So he's not his. It's not his dad. I don't know what relation he is, but there is some shared DNA. Yeah, you can keep going anyway. Right. I'm, I'm going on to Huddersfield now. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we look, we've looked at November. We might as well look at December. And what I'd say is a tough month. I mean, the, the key thing, obviously, Saturday, next game, Stephen is away. It's the only the only game 
in I'm not going to say only game in the League 2 but I'll caveat it's it I was going to caveat that with yeah. in the League 2's top half just to cover my basis yeah. um, so you know Rovers Rovers win they go top Sim, simple as yeah and I, I, two minds I was going to say it's um, it'd be a big confidence boost before going away to Plymouth but I feel like it doesn't make a difference because that's that's a massive game whatever Plymouth away isn't it yeah indeed yeah and it's obviously they're on a real rotten run of form at the moment mm-hmm. Plymouth so my thing with Stephen is, is I'm sort of trying to learn to like them. It's, it's, it's the Western hangover, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, but he's gone now. He's managed, what, two clubs since? Where is he now then? We got sacked, actually. I don't know whether he is actually two clubs. We got sacked by Peterborough. Is he not back at Stevenage? No, they've had, they've had Teddy Sheridan since. I feel like, um, I just, I feel like he, whenever I don't know where Graham Wesley is, I assume he's at Stevenage. There's just, this is not any reason. I feel like that's a safe, a safe assumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, it's just, uh, there's no reason to particularly dislike Stevenage anymore. I like their kit this season. Because um, they've, they've got that tribute to their sort of mid-90s horror show of a kit. Which I quite... I'm all for a team resurrecting its worst ever kit. <laughs> just because they had a minor bit of support, <laughs> a reasonable amount of success in it. Um, also, they're not Borough anymore, are they? They're not Stevenage Borough anymore. They're just Stevenage FC. Is that financial reasons or no? It can't. Would you mean like reformed? Yeah. No, no, no. They just ditched it. That's interesting. Don't know. Cost them too much on ink. I don't know. That'll be it. That'll be it. Um, but they ditched the huge ink costs since Brexit. Um, so we're going to Stevenage. I, I do this I'm, sometimes when I go to away games. I, I try and think of other things to do because I'm not because as you know I'm not a drinker. So it's not like oh, I'll go to the match and then go to the pub. Like, so, you know, Colchester is pretty good because there's a zoo. Okay. So, uh, the day that we saw, we saw Colchester beat Rovers 4-1 last season, it was kind of, it was rubbish, but it was better than it could have been because I'd seen some Penguins only a few hours before. <laughs> the problem with Stephen is, is I can't think of anything. Yeah, it's, we had this conversation, and I really do apologise if there's anyone who's no, you that you to. Don't, yeah. don't get into that habit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll never get anything said or done. Yeah. No, that's a slippery slope, you're right. But it is an absolute, it's a terrible time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, a, it's just a, a city full of nothingness. It's just roundabouts so, round and cycling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, like this, it's like a smaller version of Milton Keynes where you have this, it's a concrete jungle of Frankie and Benny's and, uh, and maybe it's, actually, I've sold you to the team. You're going so Frankie and Benny's, City World... Um, I feel like we're going to lose 1-0 on Saturday now and an A. Stevenage fan is going to tweet us yeah uh, I'll just get like a, yeah I'll get a Nando's hot wing thrown at me or something like that <laughs> that's, that's another thing yeah totally Jack <laughs> Lee Brian Blessed your boys took a hell of a beating <laughs> can't Leslie come. Garrett can you that's hear it, Leslie Garrett um, there's Nedworth that's, Nedworth but that's a different place now Nedworth is a house Lewis Hamilton's from Stevenage Ashley Young, just to really highlight how exciting and uh, yeah. charismatic Stevenage is as a town. Well, I just looked on Wikipedia when I was just, and uh, in the culture bit, it does say it has a small art centre. That's normally where I head to, you know, like culture. What is there? Is there a, is there a museum? Does it mean Cineworld by that, though? <laughs> oh, I've, got a, I've got a Cineworld card. Yeah, I haven't seen Doctor Strange yet. Oh, there sort you go, of. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'll, see, I'll see you at half time then. I'll meet you at five to three. After the 1 pm <laughs> show, it's finished. To Plymouth, though, so Plymouth away, a big game. As you said before, they're going in a, a terrible one of games at the moment. Yeah, funny, isn't it, really? Um, real ACA spoilers at the moment. You know, they were for at least. A good, yeah, a good nine percent of the season, you guarantee wins. I mean, like I, like I did, I, I did mention the last 
podcast that they were shipping girls. Um, and obviously, it's the sort of trap that Donny might fall into where they haven't rectified that part and yeah. stopped scoring. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm mildly optimistic about our visit at this time. But yeah. We'll, and, and I'll, yeah so. I feel like everything's pointing towards nil nil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then there's, there's big games at the back end of the month as well. You've got Grimsby at home, which will be a, a, as near to a derby as we'll, we'll get in this division in terms of atmosphere. Um, and then Notts County and Mansfield away. So yeah, I said tough, tough month December. That I think yeah. if we if Rovers come out of December in the top three, I'd be happy. I you think all, from that that run of games. Yeah. You always sort of make a call on things overall around January, don't you? you know, you get the Christmas period out of the way. And particularly for us with this tougher of games in December, that's going to be tough. But we couldn't be going into that sort of turbulent period with a better, better record so far. So that's uh, last January. I did think we were going to make a run for the playoffs. <laughs> we had that chat, didn't we? At yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking about how great this was and how we might even stick the playoff place. Yeah, God, they were heavy days, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a nice day. I, that day, I went to the closed amusement park for the game. Yeah, I went for a walk along the pier because you have to pay to walk on the pier. I got about. What it's the longest, the longest, isn't it the longest pier in the country? Is it like a mile or something? Oh yeah, South yeah, End. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. know. It's the longest one. Right. What's the longest? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> we went um, to. Um, but I, I, I went down the pier and I got. It was freezing because it was the second of January, and I think I got like two thirds of the way down the pier and had that moment of realization. I don't need to do this. Why? <laughs> what am I even? What am I doing? Why don't I just go sit somewhere warm? I'm not a lonely businessman whose business has collapsed and contemplated <laughs> existence. Are you googling longest pit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll leave to. Um, no, we, we 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 went into one of it was when micro pubs were sort of a, a thing. And uh, we spun It's only last year. This isn't. This isn't like I love the seventies. Yeah, but like, like, like you actually t- you had to turn micro pubs. It used to be small pub. I don't even now. Know. What is a micro pub? Well, it's just like a small pub, isn't it? It's like a micro it's, machine, but in pub form. I mean, I, I, what, what it is, it's sort of like a license for people to set up pubs in the front room, which it turned out to be in South End, which is just someone's front room with a bar in it. I've never even heard of that. True. You yeah. You don't drink, though, do you? Rarely. So South End. You know, as a human being, I have to like. Hydrate. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I drink cherry cola. Sometimes I drink Dr Pepper. But I feel like a microbrewery isn't where you go for that. So no, I can see no. why. That, I can see why it'd be off your radar. No, no. But I'm fascinated by this phenomenon of micro pubs. Yeah, people's yeah. front room as pubs. I think it's a genius idea, and it turned out to be a decent shout in somewhere like Southend. It does have the longest pier in the country, though, as confirmed by Wikipedia. Even Sir John Betjeman once said. Um, the pier is South End. South End is the pier. Very prophetic. <laughs> South End is the pier. So the, so the defining thing of South End is that if you're lucky, you can walk a mile away from it. Out yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's the same it's as Luton, isn't it? You know, yeah. the attraction is to get out of South End. Yeah. Um, next thing I was going to go on to, and it's something that you wrote about in a kind of roundabout way in the fanzine, James. Oh I yeah, remember yeah. What you wrote about? Yeah. What? Um, which was. And I don't want to give it because you covered quite a few things in that article. Uh, for those who've not read issue 85 of the fanzine, I've got nine left. See me at Stevenage. I'll happily sell you on. I don't think this is a spoiler to say what you wrote about. Um, but you mentioned about how people obviously wax lyrical about Ali Jeffrey as the greatest player Doncaster has had, the greatest player from Doncaster. And how difficult it is to relate to that or know that or accept that 
when you've got we've got no frame of reference. None of us mm. have ever seen him play. Mm. Video footage of him is is few and there's a few paid films of fifties FA Cup games, and that's about it. Um, how do you know how good they are? I just thought it was a really interesting point. Well, I, I really enjoyed that. Well, you don't hear, hear me say this very often, but I really enjoyed that thread on the forum. Yeah, I think it was just that thing of like it was such a big frustration for me as a child, like falling for Rovers, Rovers becoming my team. And then just always hearing of a better time that I, <laughs> that I had nothing to do with. Um, and it, it felt like um, it wasn't until there were some better times that I enjoyed that I almost felt free of the shadow of, of King Alec. Yeah. Because I could say, oh yeah, I saw so-and-so the rubbish shirt or so-and-so the rubbish shirt. But, you know, his... His like legacy like looms so large, especially you know just going out in the town. It was like yeah. he owns that pub. Go in there and see King Alec. You know what <laughs> I mean? But it, you're right. It is that thing of like you know when I my dad is of an age, you know, and he saw Duncan Edwards, and he'll talk about Duncan Edwards being the best player he's, you know he's ever seen. And I'm like, cool, trust my dad. You know what I mean? But yeah. he, he won't write about Brexit, so was he right about <laughs> Duncan Edwards? You know, so because I I thought this and I thought like. If you if we were asked to pick, say, your greatest all time Rovers team, we'd probably all put Alec Jeffrey in it, but with no rhyme or reason. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I and yeah. I, I thought about this because like, if, if I was to do it like pick all time Rovers, I'm not gonna do it now because we haven't got the, the time to be honest, but all time greatest eleven, I thought right, just pick goalkeeper. I'd put Harry Gregg in goal. Never saw him play, never seen him for long service, but I would put him in just putting goal because of the, the yeah. standing of it. Yeah. But then if you if you were to ask me to do it just out of players I'd seen, I'd put Andy Warrington in. But even then, he's probably not the best goalkeeper that I've seen play for long service. Probably Sam Johnston, if I'm honest, who we had on loan from my night. He was a brilliant goalkeeper yeah. who is probably the best goalkeeper I've seen. But if yeah. I was to pick my greatest Rose 11, Andy Warrington would be in it. If I had to pick an all-time yeah. 11, I'd put Harry Gregg in unquestioning. And I think it, it comes back to what we touched on in the last podcast about around the greatest head of goal. I tried to do something quite abstract, if you like, or, or make something abstract when what yeah. I think you both yeah. said was that you can't take... Yeah can't take it out of context and, and I think you just can't you can't separate the emotional attachment I think that's what you were saying in the yeah, in your piece yeah. in the fanzine yeah totally I also wonder whether there's a bit of you know again I suppose I am old enough now to really to be able to speak about this with some authority but like I just think, I think football evolves as well so there is that thing of like could he do it could he do it on a Tuesday night? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, could, could, could he, he do it, do it in the modern age? On a Saturday afternoon on a 3G pitch. It's probably the model equivalent, isn't it? In, in favourable conditions. I mean, I was watching... I, was, um, I wasn't very well a couple of weeks ago. And I was watching Sky and there was like the golden years or whatever. Yeah. You know, the golden years Premier League, whatever. Yeah. And I was watching like 96 or something. And it, it, it wasn't anything like the football I no. watch now. Yeah. Like, it was different. Yeah. But, but it's something that all sports do. Like if you go, it's a cross. Well, I don't really sport accept the existence thing. of any of us. <laughs> well, yeah, I can speak of one which I'm quite familiar with, which is which is always happening in cricket. Right. Every, I mean, I mean, namely because you know you've got commentators and pundits on there that often have a lot of time to fill because because of the nature yeah. of cricket. But um, you, you've always got sort of like you know your WG Grace, Jeffrey Boycott. They were the they were the players, you know, the mm. Trumans and all that kind of stuff. And you say. Because of how cricket's played today, 
so fast. Yeah. They would look absolute idiots in these days, yet they're revered for, for you know, across across generations. Jim Boycott wouldn't have a great average in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And he'd be, he'd be very happy about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I do think... I, Peter Kitchens is the one. Yeah. I always think... Um, a bit of it's you know sort of going to worry now and again because yeah. he is a shit you know yeah, heroes right. shared it's kind of weird because I do think that you hear the people who talk about Ali Jeffrey mm. and like you know no disrespect to anyone on the forum because those stories were like lovely and like mm. you know there was much about there was much about the people on the forum and their lives as it was actually yeah. about Ali Jeffrey he came over to us at the end of this game then we went and had chips for tea, you know, all that. <laughs> but uh, when you've got Matt Busby, mm. you know, in time I will come for you, all that stuff. Mm. I mean, you know, you can't really argue with that. And that makes, that makes me feel like, I don't know, it makes me feel something, you know, as, yeah. as, as, as a lad from Doncaster. And I guess there's also part of me, and I mean, it, it's really upsetting because he never achieved his full potential. But I, I am really interested. It's a very, I don't know, there's something about the way his career panned out Mm. that I just find fascinating yeah definitely in terms of obviously the injury the, yeah. what might have been the yeah. going elsewhere coming back when he wasn't supposed to play again yeah um, yeah. was it Skegness and then and then at Rovers um, he went to the States briefly did he yeah I never knew that actually I was, I was something that struck me and it is that and it, it's the same thing and it's the it's where the anecdotal element takes over and either does someone a disservice yeah. or a or the, the opposite, um, a service, um, in terms of what their standing was. And the other one that's, that struck me for that is Charlie Williams. Yeah. Because he's always talked about and revered as this comedian who happened to have played a bit of football. But he was the centre-half, mainstay centre-half, at Rovers' you know, most prolonged period in the second tier. He wasn't just like playing a bit of football on the side. You know, he was... Yeah, what's was the quote from him? He, he, I wasn't a fancy bugger, but I could stop those that were. But he's obviously made it. You know, he, he had a very good career as a footballer. Yeah, as good as you can have in the fifties on the pay and, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But he was a very accomplished player. But the the anecdotal element of it, yeah, has has taken away from you know, and obviously being the, the, you know a black player at a time when there weren't many black players yeah, yeah. and all those sort of anecdotal aspects have taken away from the fact that he probably you know, but yeah. he must have been a very accomplished footballer to play at the time he did in the position he did. The standing idiot. I guess if you took the anecdotal parts away it looks and, and came out from a completely literally kind of literary kind of way, uh, standpoint, you would probably have to say the season when we, we, we finished in the top out of the championship, mm. that's the best ever finish we ever had. And if you look at that team, you would be probably saying they're, they're up there with the best. But then, you know, professional football players, mm. we had a bit of spend, you know, they, they, mm. all, they are all achieving at a good level. Um, that, you know, you, you would actually, if you were talking on, on paper, that's probably yeah. right there with your best team. However, it means that you, you discount your Andy yeah. Warrington, your Simon Marples. You go through history and you discount all these players who actually did great things, yeah. often against in the face of adversity, like you say, yeah. and, and, and in completely different times when you're kicking a big, bloody heavy thing yeah. of leather around on a on a rotten pitch. You know, that's the thing. It's the thing, though. You know, if you're on Twitter, like you know, Opta doesn't like tell the full story when it comes to football because yeah. it isn't just about statistics. No. Yeah. Um, I totally lied, by the way, about how Jeffrey played in America. You did? Yeah, he played in Australia. Ah, well, you were... Still somewhere a long way away. Yeah. <laughs> played for a team called Sydney FC Prague. They were a form, former association football club formed in 1957 by predominantly Czech Australians. 
So I don't know how you fit fit into that, but <laughs> there you go. That's so that's that's about it, I think, for this. Year. A nice nice point on which to end it. A nice reasonable discussion once we've finished slagging off Stevenage and googling Huddersfield Town's ground. Um, have you told everyone that? Uh, the fantasy's been nominated for an award. I mean, I mentioned it three times in the intro, but I can always I, mention it. I don't it, think he did. Mention he? it again. So for, for those of you who don't know, uh, Popular Stand, the fanzine, as opposed to the podcast of which this is a spin-off from, um, has been nominated for the Football Sports Federation Fanzine of the Year, uh, which is a big honour and, and one that is very well received and I think is testament to the, the quality of writing we've had from... Everyone who's written for the fanzine over, over the last year, definitely, including the, the people sat next to me uh, around this microphone now. Uh, we find out on Monday, the 5th of December, is when we'll find out the FSF award. So we'll be tweeting from that on Monday. If the fanzine wins, will you put on full Rovers kit, shin pads and all, play Cherish Fire while you write the editorial? <laughs> I mean, if, if we win, I mean, the, the main positive is we might shift some back issues. I think that's the thing we can aim at. We'll keep you posted as we uh, practice our consolatory spaces when the square ball inevitably wins and polite applause and all that lot. Um, we're off to Stevenage on Saturday, all of us. If you know us, look out for us. If you want a copy of the fanzine, let me know. I'll bring one for you, is the other thing to say. Um, next issue of the fanzine is out in January, 21st of January, match against Crew. And the next podcast, hopefully, we'll do one towards the end of December. As ever, if you've got any feedback on this issue, let us know. Tweet us at Viva Rovers. Post on any threads that we advertise the fanzine on. Uh, and let us know your thoughts, any input you've got. And we'll, we'll recap it next issue. But uh, thanks again for listening. And we'll be with you again next time. <laughs>